Thanks for downloading the McKay interview. My guest today is speaking on condition of anonymity. I'll call him John. He speaks to me from Tajikistan, having just recently been evacuated from Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan. John, a long-time and trusted Swiss friend, is an experienced international humanitarian organization staff member. We talk, among other things, about recent and dramatic events in Afghanistan, his impressions and personal opinions about how ordinary Afghans are managing, about Western armies recently departed, about the Taliban, and about what the future could bring. Hello, everyone. When it comes to current affairs and big topical news stories, since I first started this program almost 10 years ago, I have largely left that area to the international broadcasters and news agencies. They're far better equipped and funded with top journalists and researchers to provide informed comment than I am. The K interview seeks to, in, to find interesting people who have compelling personal stories that illuminate complex issues and raise my and your, my listeners' level of knowledge, and to do this in only 20 or 30 minutes. Now, Afghanistan has been the top story for the past few weeks and months, and I would not consider putting my nose into what's going on there were it not for the fact that a very good friend of mine and my family is in Kabul. Both my wife and I have worried for his safety, especially recently. For reasons which will very soon become apparent, I'll leave it to him to explain his situation and the degree to which he's obliged to maintain an important level of secrecy about his own identity. All I'll say at this point is that he is Swiss, a man of extensive experience in international transport, search and rescue, and humanitarian aid and helping others. He has lived and worked away from Switzerland for many years. In fact, I've forgotten how many years he's been away, but we were neighbors in our Vaudois village for many years, and I'm very pleased he's agreed to speak to me and all of you listening directly Today. Now, by the way, this interview is being recorded on Thursday, the 9th of September, and I say that because events change quite rapidly. Uh, I'll call you John. Hello, John. Good to see you again. Where are you? Hello, Michael. I'm currently in uh, Tajikistan, in Dushanbe. We uh, have been evacuated from Kabul on the 15th of August, which was an epic day. And since we're based temporary here in, in uh, safe Tajikistan, waiting for the situation to improve in uh, Afghanistan in order to return and continue our operations. And for those people who are not so good in geography like me, is that the capital of Tajikistan? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Dushanbe, yes, is the capital. Okay. So I have to ask you some fairly obvious questions. So forgive me, please, John, if they sound a bit simplistic. But... Uh, how are people managing? I mean, how are ordinary people managing? For example, I heard on the radio recently, more than once, that for the past few weeks in Afghanistan, there's been no cash in the economy, but the banks and the ATMs are all closed. Is this still the case? So, And how do people get by? How are day-to-day -day and vital commercial transactions carried out? So you're right. It's, uh, it's still the case. Um, the country is short of cash. Recently, in a very few places, uh, people were able to withdraw cash, but up to $200 or the equivalent of $200 per person and uh, endless queues in front of empty banks. It's very difficult for the people. 
most of the people, at least the pe- my colleagues or people we we work with, they they could see the thing coming, and uh, weeks, if not the very very last days before before the fifteenth of August, everybody rushed to the the cash machine banks. Even the, I remember the the very morning of fifteenth. Uh, people left early the office and they, they were rushing to the bank and trying to, to, to get as, as much cash as possible. So people, they knew what was coming and they knew how to get ready for, for, for it. Of course, it's very difficult at the, at the moment. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's struggling. It's a big uh, struggle for, 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 for everyone in, uh, in Kabul and Afghanistan. About, when you talk about people... Um, when you were actually in Kabul, was your circle of professional contacts essentially a mix of internationals and local people, or were you relying mainly on local people, or did you live fairly isolated life, working mainly with um, foreigners, expatriates, people coming from abroad? How does, what's the mix of people like that you're involved with? Yeah, it's a mix of uh, expats from all over the world. And, uh, and, uh, our national colleagues on which we rely and, and, uh, they, they speak the, the local language and, 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 and they are, you know, thanks to, to, to them, we are updated about security and we know what's, what's, what's happening, what's going on. And, um, this, this time, because the security was not too good, we, actually, we were not even allowed to, to leave the compound or, in my case, just to go to the airport, but that's that's about it. So, so unlike my previous missions in uh, Afghanistan, where we could, you know, at least go out on weekend and explore and, and see and see the city, this time you you work, you live, you sleep at the same place. You don't leave the compound. So, thanks to our colleagues, we know what's what's happening outside and. Uh, and again, for us, we were just uh, stuck between four walls, uh, weeks and months, <laughs> and uh, we don't we don't even see what's what's happening in the in the town. It's a bit frustrating, but this is uh, how it is, and of course, for our own safety. Sure. Now, I know you can't say the the name of the international organization you're working for, but can you give any sort of indications to others? Because you had quite a long career doing interesting things for other international organizations. Can you talk about it, or would you rather not? Yeah, it's. I can say it's. Uh, this is humanitarian uh, work, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather stay uh, quiet. No, no names, but but uh, yeah, one of the. Well, I've been working for the two major uh, humanitarian organizations. Okay. Just a very s- practical question, which fascinates me because I've never been to that particular part of the world. But where does the money come from to buy the weapons that we see? When we watch our news broadcast from BBC or CNN, you see these markets on the streets of Kabul and other cities. I mean, where, how does it? How does the place function like that? It's it's maybe hard to imagine, but but when you go to those markets, you you have guns next to carpets and uh, to other things, households, and this is for over forty years. Uh, loads of, of munitions and weapons have been poured uh, in, in, in this country from, from many different places. It's, it's so common. It's so easy to buy an AK-47 for even $50. It's, it's cost 50 nothing. US dollars, you say? 50 US dollars. Oh, um, 
without the magazine, but it's, it's yeah. another $30 for, for a 30, 30 bullets in a magazine. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's cheap. Um, and as crazy as it sounds, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw like, like night, night vision goggles in their box, new, unused. You, it's unreal. The things you can see and find. And again, because it's been, there, there, there have been so many different, uh, armies and, and, uh, of course, bases and, and so many containers shipped to, to Afghanistan. And, and as always, you know, boxes filling off the trucks and, and <laughs> these are containers and, which have a mix of things, some things which are quite, quite legitimate food supplies and mixed in with other things too. Mix of everything yeah. from, from, yeah, from food, vehicles, uh, again, uh, weapons, uh, equipments, everything. It was, it, it's at, at one point Kabul and, and Bagram and, and Kandahar, those airports where, where it was 24 seven planes, cargo planes coming from Dubai or, or further Germany or, or everywhere, just offloading everything, everything the, 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 these big bases were, were needing from, from, they were importing water from, from Dubai, water bottles. From Seriously, Dubai. water from yeah. Dubai. Yes, yes. So a, a, a non-stop, you know, air show with, with car, massive cargo planes, the biggest ones, unloading, loaded with, with everything. Everything. It was, yeah, crazy. Let's talk about the people for a while. John, how would you describe the health and well-being of the Afghan people, as far as you could see, especially in this time of COVID-19 and the pandemic? I mean, you know we have it here, but this is a rich country, and we're surrounded by rich neighbors, France, Italy, Germany, and we have our own problems here. But what happens to the ordinary Afghan people in this time of pandemic? So... For, for some obvious reasons, COVID was, was not the main concern for, for mm. Afghans. In, 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 in Kabul, the, the, the pollution is, is, is so high. Uh, Kabul, the uh, airport, airfield elevation is 1,800 meters. It's, it's high. It's, it's all Kabul is surrounded so by like mountains. or Verbier, that sort of um, altitude. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the problem is, is, it's surrounded by mountains, so basically the, the, the smoke, the pollution doesn't go away. And it, it gets worse in, in the winter month when, when people are burning everything possible. I was going to ask you, what are they burning? Is it wood or <laughs> what do they burn? No, wood is too expensive. Wood is, yeah. no, and, and it, it, it would come from far away. So they burn tires, they burn uh, oil, um, and old engine oil, anything, anything which can... can Burn, they, they, they burn. So you live under a, a black, a black um, cloud for, for all winter. And uh, yeah, lots of, of uh, lungs problems, lots of lung disease. Um, so, so very bad. And of course, in, in the provinces, a uh, big problem is, is uh, malnutrition for kids. So there are many, many programs for, for, for that. Uh, so the, the um, average uh, health is, is not good, not at all. Uh, last last winter it was a, a drought, almost no rain. No of rain. Of course, yeah, no rain. So, yeah, it's it has a, an impact on the agriculture, of course, yeah, which yeah, is already not so so developed and uh, not not a not a good year. 
And what about the non-Afghan or the Western community in and around Kabul? Is there a state or was there a state of panic or high anxiety among men? Or, or would you use other words to describe their mood? And one, is there a feeling that the vast majority of those who actually wanted to leave um, got out on time or in time? Yes, yes. Um, we could clearly see more and more people leaving uh, mostly expats, when when the governments, Western governments, started to say, well, you know, it's it's time to go. And uh, so they, they made a very clear message, like, like, if you don't have anything, you know, go, if you don't, if you, if you don't have to stay, you should go. And and then the last weeks uh, or beginning of uh, August, we, we could see the, 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 the Kabul airport terminal full of people from from morning until evening so many charter flights coming from england europe everywhere and uh, many many afghans already uh, left at this uh, at this time the 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 lucky, the lucky ones and again embassies started to to get empty more and more embassies started to close uh, less and less international people only at the end a few humanitarians and a very few embassies and, and that was it so yes I wouldn't say panic, but you could see people were getting more and more concerned and 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 maybe nervous about the situation because we could we could hear like like we could hear what was happening in the country and how fast you know Taliban were were just gaining ground and and uh, and yeah so so of course yeah that people were were on the go. Yeah. John, let me let me tell our, our listeners that t- today I have a very special guest uh, speaking at anonymity. Um, spent many years with um, international humanitarian organizations. Uh, he's speaking from Tajikistan, but was in Kabul for two or three years. And um, delighted to have him in front of me on the screen. He's an old friend. John, the Western media has been full of stories about the surprise at the speed of the collapse of the Afghan government and the rapid victory, and I've written that word in my notes in inverted commas, is that the right word, victory, and the takeover of Kabul and the main cities by the Taliban. You've been there, as I said, for the past two or three years. Were you surprised by the speed of the collapse, or did you have a sense that the situation would change rapidly once the Americans and their allies announced their withdrawal? For for most people, uh, Afghans, uh, expats, uh, the, the writing was on the wall. It, 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 we, we knew it was coming. No surprise, except that it went so quickly. And even Taliban were, were surprised because once in once in Kabul, they, they were completely disorganized. You know, it took them almost two three weeks to to, to start to form a government. So yeah, it went very quick. Um, not too surprised because of how quickly uh, they. they, they, they they won those, those battles or provinces because we knew some in some provinces uh, the, the, the farther from Kabul the, the less money was was going to to uh, the, the troops right so so soldiers at the end they they they, they were not paid for the last three four months uh, they they got no support from Kabul they 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 got very few uh, ammunitions left so. 
they were not ready to 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 give their life for for a government which didn't pay them for for the last four six months. And in some places, we heard even talibs they just hand over they handed over cash to those uh, police or, or, or Afghan soldiers, and and that was it. They, they negotiated a, a, a ceasefire, a, a peace agreement, and, and and in some places there was no fight at all. When you say Not, they handed over cash, who is they? Just to be clear, to oh, the Taliban's. Yeah, Taliban's. Taliban's. Okay, yeah, just to yeah, be yeah. clear. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, we we heard like in in a specific place on the uh, south uh, border with with Pakistan, uh, we heard things like like they were handing one thousand USD to to per person per 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 soldier to just you know just drop the weapons and then don't fight. And that and, money goes uh, a long way in Afghanistan. Well, it's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost a year of salary for a regular soldier. As much as that? Yeah. So, I, and I know you've had a, a long career in logistics, um, because we've known each other a long time. Let's talk a little bit about the withdrawal. Could the, in your opinion, and I know you're not a military man, but you have a pretty good experience of these things, just having, as a professional, could the withdrawal have been done any better or differently so as to avoid the mass crowds at the gates of Kabul airport? Um, it's what we read, what we hear in the Western media, and you must be aware there's been a lot of criticism of the way that was handled. Um, what's your opinion as you're so close to it? So, yes, it, it, was, it was messy. The, what, what nobody understands now is, is why in July the Americans decided to just leave Bagram, Bagram Airfield, which is a Big, a, a, a huge base, uh, 60 kilometers north of Kabul. So it's uh, not far many, away from Kabul. No, just just no. 60. Yeah. Again, we, we we flew from from Kabul to Bagram. It, it was not even like it was an eight-minute flight. You don't even have time to climb, and you yeah. have already you're already on on, on descent for for, for yeah. your approach. So maybe. Uh, just leaving Bagram a month before this uh, this uh, evacuation, but of course they, nobody knew, nobody could, you know, you, nobody could predict how quickly Kabul fell, and it took everyone by surprise, definitely. But Bagram, uh, I think, would have been a much much better place for for an evacuation. It's out of Kabul. Uh, uh, it's 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 a f- full military base. So the, the protection was already there. Kabul is a is a mixed uh, uh, airport, civilian, civilian and, 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 and military, exactly. Yeah. And 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 again, it was it was invaded by by thousands and, and thousands of people as as soon as they heard this on this Sunday morning that, that the Taliban were in town, and and everybody started to to to, to panic at this day. Yeah. There's an old saying. That you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your neighbours. Can you can you express a personal point of view? And if you don't want to, I can understand it. But if if possible, can you express a personal point of view on the influence in Afghanistan of neighbouring countries like Pakistan, like Tajikistan, uh, we Iran, and further away Russia, Turkey, and even China? Give us a sense of how you see the relationship with those countries. Yeah. So. Here in, in, in Dushanbe, many people, like like local people, they ask me about Afghanistan and how it is, and because I can feel it's uh, they're 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 worried. They they 
they worried the Taliban would cross the border and and and, and start to 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 uh, inv- invade Tajikistan maybe or and 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 you can you can feel their 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 concern their their fear their fear um, even though uh, Russia has military bases in Tajikistan uh, and 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 they. A few weeks ago, they had big, big military exercise close to, to uh, the border, just to, to flex muscles and to, remem- to, to remind, remind everyone that, that Russia was there, uh, is there, so, so ready if, if needed. Um, but yeah, uh, worried. The Tajik are, are, are concerned with the Taliban. Um, you mentioned Pakistan. Pakistan. Pakistan well, we, it, it, we know forever. Pakistan is, is, is playing a double game. Uh, and for many years already, when when the Soviet invaded, uh, uh, and they played double games with with uh, the U.S. and and and, and the Mujahideen and, and and all these uh, neighbors, uh, it's still the case. They, of course, the last thing they want because Iran is 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 trying to get close to to, to um, Afghanistan as well, and, and for Pakistan, it's 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 a threat. So they don't want Iran to be too close or too friendly to 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 Afghanistan. Um, Uzbekistan, they're not too concerned because they they have a strong economy, they have a strong army, and uh, they don't feel a, a, any threats. Um, what about a NATO member like Turkey, and then further afield, uh, big China? Huh? I mean, what yeah. your impression? What have you seen? What have you heard there? So we, we know that Turkey, they would like to stay in charge of the uh, Kabul airport. Um, the Taliban's are not, uh, they don't want the, the Turk to be, to be there. They don't, actually they don't want any f- foreigner to, to be here, the Taliban's. No. They want all the foreigners to, to out. be out, out, out. Okay. Um, uh, but the, I think the, the one, the, the main player is going to be China. And why do you China, say that? Well, for the record, China have they have been the first country to recognize the the, the Taliban's as the new um, authorities, and um, it's a neighbor country. Uh, they they will they will just like in Central Asia where I'm now, they will build anything. Afghanistan is going or the the government is going to request. Uh, uh, hospitals or, or highways or, or, or factories or anything, and and of course um, in return they will ask for for uh, parts of lands or, or, or um, uh, some rights to to, to 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 explore for 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 mineral and things. They they know what they're doing. It's like it's very smart. They're very smart, very organized, and we see that in Africa and we see that everywhere actually. They're, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and in here in uh, in Dushanbe, they're building a new town, and uh, this is what they're doing. So they, they, it's it's a different kind of uh, yeah. Let's 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 go back as we sort of move towards the end of our conversation, John. Let's go back to um, the West, uh, the Western Allies. What have you seen and, and experienced that would indicate to you and to me and our listeners that the Americans and their allies were a force for good? Pakistan and the people of that country over the past 20 years, bearing in mind, as you know, that their stated strategy, the the Americans and the British in particular, was to prevent further terrorist attacks on the U.S. and British mainland rather than nation building in Afghanistan. What's your say? You smile. I can see you on the screen. Tell me a bit more about what you're thinking. 
I've seen so many military bases in the middle of nowhere, especially on the uh, western part of Afghanistan. And as you know, western part is, is, is the border with Iran. With Iran. Yeah. yeah. So w when you see like state of the art uh, airfield, airports, uh, some of them are uh, like, like little towns with, with thousands and thousands of troops and the, the latest possible equipment from drones to jets to, to, to everything. And so close to the border, one can think, why are there, are there there? In yeah. the middle of nowhere. So, so I'm thinking uh, they, they knew, obviously they knew why they spent so much money. Uh, yeah. Is it really to protect or, I'm, I'm not so sure. I have my own, I, my own idea about that. Um, and another thing, of course, I, I know media, Western media, they're, they're, they're painting the Taliban's in, in, in black and, and yeah, but, uh, it was like, like a week ago, when the last, last Americans left left Kabul, it's been like two days of celebrations. Of you know, every everybody was just so happy. It was like like happy shoot celebration shootings for 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 two days. Um, to me, it means something. And and when 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 not a few people, but a, 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 all the country is just so happy beyond words uh, to see finally. Uh, the Americans leaving. Um, then again, you can you can see that in in different ways. Uh, but to me, it tells me that that's uh, they're not going to be missed, the Americans. And I'm not saying what they did is good or bad. I'm I'm just saying what I see is is the Afghans are not going to miss the Americans. Well, my question to you now, obviously, you're not surprised that I should ask you this, is are the Taliban good for their word? Because their PR machine, as we, as I see on, on television, is pretty good. Well, now the Americans and allies have departed, do you think that the Taliban will restrict, brutalize, or even kill those who don't comply with their rule, while also constraining the progress of girls and women in society? Well, how do you see that, Johnny? You, you've been there a long, long time. Yeah, and that's right. They they have a good PR machine. Good good. They know what they're doing. They um in in twenty years they they, they had time to 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 evolve in 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 this way of of uh, communication. They of course uh, they they still have the same principles. That you know they they want the uh, Islamic Emirates um, and the Sharia. And, but at the same time, they know, they know they need international support. They, 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 they know they, they need, uh, they need an, uh, the, the approval from the international community as, as well. Uh, and, and they will be careful. They will be careful about what, uh, they will do and say. Um, but I'm surprised how smart some of those people, uh, you know, the, the way they speak. Uh, the, the things they say, uh, it makes you think, you know, so, so, no, they are not crazy people, they are not, uh, you know, they, they're smart, they're smart, so, I think they're going to surprise ma many people, um, well, of I course. Words, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you optimistic then for Afghan, Afghanistan's immediate, I mean, I know you can't, you don't have a crystal ball on your desk, but looking at the next, let's say, two, three years, are you feel some sense of optimism? 
I have so many Afghan friends, uh, I know, which I know for years. My, my, my first mission was, was in 2011 in, 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 in Kabul. So I, I want to be optimistic because all I want is for, for all those people to, to, to live in peace. And this is what they want for themselves as well. They're, they're just tired of so many wars and, and conflict and, and violence. So, yes, I want to be optimistic. I think we should, uh, we should give the Taliban uh, a chance, a chance to, to, to show everyone what, what they're going to do. Now they're, they're, they have this, this, uh, they're in charge. And um, obviously it's going to be a big challenge because the, the international pressure is going to be huge, you know. Um, but let, let's see. The problem is, 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 is we, because we know those Taliban's like, like, if you work as a humanitarian organization or any organization in, in Afghanistan, you need to have really high level contact with the Taliban's. Uh, and, and we know, we know them for years, like, like, um, with many meetings in Doha and everywhere. Um, so, so we know to whom we speak. We know what to expect. They're, they're predictable. Uh, but the big unknown now is, is not the Taliban. The big unknown is, is Al-Qaeda, is, is ISIS. You know, those ones, nobody have any contact, any link. They're unpredictable and they're out of control. And, and they're, not, they're, they're ready to fight the Taliban. So it's, it's, uh, it's very complex. And uh, yes, it, it will always be a, a, a tough place to be for, for a woman and, and, and Taliban. It, it, yes, this this is tough, but but uh, but I would like to see the big picture being like Afghanistan to live in peace, and uh, again I think we we should uh, just just let the dust settle and and, and give them a chance. It's a good point. I think we wish to finish our conversation because it is a fairly optimistic point. Clearly, you have a lot of experience there. Um, you've, you've been very helpful and and very illuminating in what you said. My guest today has been an old friend who's been in Kabul for two or three years and longer still, um, working for one of the um, well-known international um, humanitarian organizations, but under anonymity. And I'm very grateful for that conversation. I wish you keep safe. And I hope to see you at some point back in Switzerland. It'd be good to see you and have a beer together, or even two beers. Um, Thank you, John, and uh, we wish you well. Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Please share the show with those around you. And if you have any questions or feedback, write to me at contact at I promise that I will reply to you.